This is Janelle Wood, and you are listening to the Finding Something Real podcast. Welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast, friend. This is your host, Janelle Wood, and you are listening in for season six, where we start off most months, most, with a different young woman sharing her faith story and allowing her the space to ask some tough questions about God and Christianity. As we wrap up this season, we have some bonus content, and today I'm excited to say that our episode content is being curated by one of my favorite co-hosts. She's our exchange daughter, Sina. Sina is joining this conversation all the way from Denmark. Sina, thank you for being back here today. Thank you for having me. Sina, I'm just be- to be here. <laughs> Sina, I love you, and uh, I know um, this has been an interesting journey for you being on the podcast so far, but for those who have invested in your journey a little bit, how are you doing now that you're back in Denmark and you've kind of been away from your American culture here for a couple of of months? I mean, I don't really know how to describe it, you know, like, I'm not around it, like, I'm not surrounded by, like, um, faith and god and like in the same way but i i kind of take some of it with me i would say so that's nice but it's just different i don't know mm-hmm. how to just, like i don't know i i feel like the days are more chill in america here they are more um everything's so like fancy and like i don't know mm-hmm. well actually i would say the opposite when i was there too but <laughs> it was it was a lot more chill there it feels mm-hmm. like now everything's just so busy. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you're super busy with school. You've got a lot going on. I know we've talked privately a little bit about your life now. Um, for those who aren't familiar, uh, you shared openly in our first episode together that there's part of you that's scared of believing in God um, because you've lived your life happily without him. Um, you also shared that you're probably scared of believing in the Bible more than believing in God because so much of the Bible has been misinterpreted throughout the years. Um, you shared that to become a Christian would mean changing your life, and that's a lot to think about. Uh, we had some beautiful, deep conversations. We went through some of that with Abdu, and, uh, and, and that conversation was awesome, and Claudia and Robbie uh, Leshua and Frank Turek. Were you there... The one with Robbie, that one I did do without no, you. No, I wasn't there. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I know that throughout that process, um, the one with Abdu, uh, there was a lot of engagement, but I know that those were emotionally difficult conversations for you. Um, and I know that this, even this question has triggered some stuff, so I want to be careful. But um, you're back on your own accord here today. What What is this process of asking these questions and getting some answers through guests. What has that been like for you? And um, I know you said you're willing to talk about it. So here's, <laughs> here's me asking. Yeah, I don't, it's been hard. I mean, I think I'm getting answers. I didn't really want to ask at first, you know, it's like, maybe I kind of felt like I didn't need it. But now that I know what it is, it's like hard to say that I don't want it, but at the same time, it's like if I hadn't like learned about it, maybe everything would be a lot easier, you know. Mm. But I'm thankful that I know now. So, mm. Yeah, mm. but it's been hard to like. Yeah, it's still a little hard. 
Yeah. I would say, yeah. Mm. Maybe because I'm not quite there yet. Maybe that's why it's hard. Yeah. I I just edited the episode. Uh, When this airs, it will be a couple months past this. But I just edited the episode that we did with Frank Turek, um, where you were like, yeah, I'm done. I don't want to (laughs) talk. But one of the things that I said in the intro, Sina, and I really mean this, um, you're one of the bravest people that I've had on this podcast. Um, and, and here's why I say that a lot of, a lot of people that I've had on this podcast, they're not in a place where they want to hear the answers yet. And that's okay. You know, and they've come on, they've done the first episode with me and then they leave. And I think someday they might listen to these conversations and if, and when they're ready, they're there for them. It's like a love letter for them. But you, in contrast, like you said, maybe you're not ready to hear the things, but you've come and you've sat and you've, um, you've taken in. And that takes a lot of courage. Um, so I just wanted to tell you that um, as we're here recording, because um, as I've re-listened to the episodes, I thought, man, what's different about Sina? Um, it's not that you don't want to be here. It's that you are willing to be here, even though that it's uncomfortable. And that's been really beautiful and something that I've never really experienced as a host before on this podcast. So I just wanted to tell you that. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Mm. Um, And like I mentioned, um, we had some great conversations and one of those conversations felt like it was just getting started when we had to break due to time constraints and we agreed to meet again. (laughs) And today's part two of that conversation. Today's returning guest has become one of our favorites here on Finding Something Real. He offers the credibility of the gospel message as a speaker and writer with a ministry called Embrace the Truth. He has authored several books, including Saving Truth, Grand Central Question, Apocalypse Later, and and More Than a White Man's Religion. For most of his life, he was a proud Muslim until a nine-year historical, philosophical, theological, and scientific investigation pointed him to the Christian faith. He has spoken to diverse international audiences around the globe. In fact, he's going to India here pretty shortly. He holds a BA in psychology from the University of Michigan, Ann Arbor, and earned his Juris Doctor from the University of Michigan Law School. He lives in the Detroit, Michigan area with his wife and their three children, Abdu Murray, welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast. It's a great pleasure and a great honor to be with you guys. Thanks, Janelle, and thanks, Sine, for giving me some time. Um, I know the time differences <laughs> time differences can make things a little bit more difficult, and with a busy season of life, uh, making time is always difficult. So I want to uh, honor the fact that you gave me any moments of your life to be able to share with you. Um, as well, I, I I thought it was interesting that you you said it was more chill here in America. You know, it's funny. America is not known for being a chill place. Uh, it's known for being no, I know. <laughs> but uh, but the, I, know. I, I, actually, I, I love it. It was like more like down, like more in like you don't have to get dressed. Okay, maybe that's just high school students. <laughs> that could pajamas be like here. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah. I guess yeah. like it was just like less to think about. There was less like rules in like mm-hmm. society. There's like we don't have many rules, but like unspoken rules. Yeah. So there's a lot yeah. to like follow there. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. we're less strict with like stuff like getting out early from class. Like the other day, I like 
got out 30 minutes earlier so that's nice and here in america you couldn't get out even one minute early yeah yeah so. yeah no there's some so, some socially more chill things in some ways so that's interesting um it's, it's funny because just as a side thing you know i have uh three kids uh two of which are girls and um uh one just started her senior year of high school by the time this will have aired she'll be almost halfway through her last year of high school um, my other one's a sophomore, uh, second year. And, um, uh, I just amazed by how, uh, sort of easy it is to, to, to get ready and dress and all that stuff for high school kids this age. Cause when I was in high school, it was all about what shirt are you wearing? What jeans are you wearing? What brand of things are you wearing? <laughs> uh, all that stuff. And it was high, high pressure. It doesn't seem to be, there's tons of pressure. Kids are, I got to say, you guys' age, uh, whether young adult or student, young student, um, the pressures you guys face, globally speaking, and I've been all over the world, are so much more, it seems to me, intense than when I grew up. You guys have so much more to deal with, um, which is why there's no surprise that there's such a high level of anxiety um, that's beset um, young people. It's just the world is not what it was when I was a kid. It's just not. It's and and I'm sorry. I wish I could. I wish I could apologize more. Uh, what you guys have to deal with is largely because of my generation. So I apologize. Uh, <laughs> but um, uh, there is there is a way through it. But uh, I will tell you. Um, can I go off script a moment, um, just to say something? Um, yeah. Because because as, <laughs> as as Janelle was talking about um, your journey and the bravery with which you have continued and even your own statement about uh, um knowing things and uh, you know sort of like it, it would have been be easier not to know some stuff um and move on and not having known it and that kind of thing uh but then there's that like desire to for whatever strange reason though it's difficult to keep going um Sine, i want to tell you um i i identify with that so much given my own journey of faith. Now you're doing at a younger age than I did. When I did, I started around age 19 or so when um, uh, the first Christians who really on purpose shared the gospel with me in any kind of credible way. And I made it very uncomfortable for them. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little more of a debater and I'm, I'm a fairly, com not, not combative, but I like to, <laughs> I like to, I like to talk about um, difficult stuff. I like, I, I like to, I like to debate. I don't like to, I don't like to quarrel. I don't like to get in arguments, but I do like to no. assess argumentation. Well, it took me nine years as Janelle said in the intro. Um, but so much of what you've said, there were times a few years into it where I'm like, I wish I had just didn't know what I know now because life would be easier. I had consequences to, um, to belief and I knew it the whole time. I often put it this way. Um, it took me nine years to become a Christian, not because it took nine years to find the answers. It didn't. It took me a couple of years to find sufficient enough answers to become a Christian. It took me seven more years not because the answers were hard to find, but because the answers were hard to accept. Um, because I knew it was going to cost me something. And it did. It did. But um, uh, I can tell you, uh, it has been so very worth it. So worth it. Um, ever since, you know, I gave my life to the Lord in the year 2000. It's been 23 years plus now. Um, and 
it doesn't get easier when you know and you're and you're and you're all the way there in some ways in other ways it gets so much easier because that assurance and that hope is there and you know and 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 Jesus promises us something that I think is just remarkable he doesn't tell you what other people want to tell you what they want to tell you is if you come and buy this thing i'm selling you if you buy this worldview or you buy this whatever life is going to be great and it's going to be fantastic and you know here's all the things that'll be fantastic and easier than they were before um and the reality is what he says is that um his yoke is easy he doesn't have you know when you an ox pulls a yoke it's hard his is not hard and his burden is light and he will offer you rest but he also says that in this world you will have trouble you will he doesn't say you won't he says you will but take heart for i've overcome the world um he provides us with a strength and and a, and a sort of an inner an inner stability and a peace um i can tell you it's been very hard for me to be a believer in some contexts very hard very hard um, sometimes it's seemingly unbearably hard i look back through those times when i was sustained in the middle of the times when the tears wouldn't stop the pleas out to God and say, why are you letting this happen this long? Are you going to do something or not? All that stuff, I look back on it now and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, the things he accomplished in those times and the way he strengthened me and the person he made me into because of those times, I wouldn't trade those times. I really wouldn't. And there are times when it happens again. Uh, here I am, 50 years old, and it's happened again and again over over time. Um, and I think to myself, again, seriously, I can learn this lesson a better way, can't I? <laughs> and the reality is, is that the answer is no. Um, and I remember what I learned before and how I learned it and how it stuck with me. Uh, there's a formation happening, but there's also a hope that builds. I don't regret any of it. It's been extremely hard. And I don't want to tell you it's been easy, but there's been, but it's been so rewarding, so rewarding in so many ways, and not just because of the hope I have for a life to come, for a hereafter, for an eternal life, that sustains me through so much, but because um, the, the Bible says that we, we get the pleasure, we get the gift of going through hardships so that we can look more and more like Jesus. And the more and more I read of his life, the more and more I want to look like him. Um, and then I get to, uh, it's, it's a blessing. Uh, so yeah, there were times during my journey, I'm like, I don't want to know this. Can I just stop asking? If I just stopped asking, this would be easier. Or if you would just stop talking to me, this would be so much easier. Um, and, but I kept going. And one last thing I'll say of this is that I kept going and I wonder, I wonder, I don't know if this is the case. I wonder for you, Sine, if you keep going because of what the scripture says. The Bible says that no one comes to the Father, no one comes to God, but he first draw him. He first draws that person. He draws you, he draws me. And maybe there's something in you that's keeping going and that bravery that Janelle spoke about, which I see and I hear um, in you, um, is augmented because God is actually drawing you. I don't know that, that's not for me to know, but just something to consider. Anyway, I just wanted to sort of jump off script if I could for a moment and say that I so much of your journey sounds just like me um, in so many ways. And you'll go through it differently because your culture is different and my ethnic background and my religious background is different. Um, but um, people are people. And I, um, 
I just see it. I just see it. I hope that means something to you. If it doesn't, that's okay too. I just would feel like I didn't, <laughs> I didn't honor you if I didn't say, Hey, you know what? I know what it's like. Yeah. Well, thank you for saying that. Actually, sometimes it just feels like it makes you like feel guilty that you're not brave enough to just jump in, you know, if you know what I mean. Yes, I do. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I, I can't tell but, you. Yeah, yeah, I can't tell you how many times people said, oh, Abdu, you're so brave. And I'm like, I don't know who you're talking to because it's not me that's brave. I feel like a coward. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, but here you are. Here you are. Yeah. For people who want to know more about your ministry, mm -hmm. uh, how can they find you after this? Sure. Um, well, the, the website is embracethetruth.org. Um, we've got videos, we've got articles written by me, by my um, uh, co-content creator, Derek Caldwell, who's a brilliant writer, by the way, and a, a great researcher. He hosts a podcast we have called All Rise, which you can find not only on our website, embracethetruth.org, but you can also find it on YouTube. Um, I think it's youtube.com slash official. And um, and then check us out on social medias. Uh, they're all Abdu Murray, except for Instagram. For whatever reason, it's Abdu Murray one two. If you go to Ab <laughs> if you go to Abdu Murray on Instagram and you connect that, you won't get me. You'll get somebody else. Um, uh, but uh, Abdu Murray one two on Instagram is me. But everything else is just Abdu Murray uh, straight up. So that's where we're at. Um, uh, yeah. See, now I'm going to let you ask whatever you want here. Um, I've got questions. Oh, I don't really. Yeah, I don't remember where we started or where we ended, I mean. I don't have any agenda. I, I mean, I've got questions I can ask based on our last conversation. I'm happy to do that. But I'm also happy to just let this be an off-script, organic conversation. Um, because I think that you and Abdu have some things in common. And uh, it doesn't have to be scripted. So it's up to you. Um, but I, I mean, I'll, I'll follow your lead. What do you want? Uh, maybe just start with the script because um, okay. I don't remember where we started or okay. ended again. Sorry. I did read your books still. Uh, oh, wow. But it's been a while now. Okay. But I did read uh, Saving Truth and Grand Central Question. Oh, wow. I read one Excellent. of them on the plane home, but that's been like two and a half months. So Yeah. Okay. Okay. Wow. Well, it, maybe maybe something will spur when 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 Janelle asks some questions that then yeah. something will come up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm honored you read them. Whether you like them or not is not not important. You read them, and that's all I can. <laughs> I didn't like them. <laughs> okay. Good. Good. That's awesome. Abdu, the last time we spoke, you said something that stuck with me, especially as I was re-listening to the conversation. It was really profound and so simple. You said, "Quote: People do not go to hell because they believe the wrong thing." People go to hell because they trusted the wrong person and they trusted themselves. Why can't we just trust in ourselves? Mm. Well, I think the uh, all you have to do to answer that question is look at yourself. Uh, you know, I have to look at myself, and this is one of the most uncomfortable answers you ever get out there, really. Um, and um, I would be remiss if I didn't say this. Is I, I started mentioning it earlier in some comments. Is that you know a lot of people who will give you a worldview, whether it's self help you know, stuff that's secular or pop psychology or new age or even religiously based. 
a lot of it basically says, you know, you are the solution to your own problem. If you just find your inner, your inner strength, your inner beauty, your inner goddess, your inner God, whatever it is, you'll rise out of the muck you find yourselves in. You can fix you. Um, uh, and then we're constantly disappointed again and again and again by our inability to redeem ourselves. Um, when you think about it, it actually makes sense. How can I be the solution when I am the problem? Um, and I, and I'm, I'm my own worst enemy. Um, so it stands to reason that I need someone who's not me to save me from me. Um, and so <clears throat> trusting myself to some degree, I've been given some, some, some God given talents and some God given wisdom and all these things. But if sin does anything, it's that it pollutes and taints everything at least a little, at least a little. I mean, think about even my ability to love, my ability to love others. Um, when I when I want to express love in the natural, naturally speaking, I want to express love to my kids or my parents or my wife or whoever it is. It's genuine. I want to express that love. But at some level, there's always a level of selfishness, even in my selflessness. So I want to do something that's self-sacrificial for somebody else. But I want them to notice, and I want them to thank me, and I want them to be grateful, and I want them to think of me, you know, and all these kind of things. There, even that, even our my altruism is tainted by my self-centeredness, um, and um, it's getting, you know, and with with a, a sense of the Holy Spirit working in me, that's better and better and better, but it's never quite gone. Um, uh, so, with by trusting the Lord, by trusting Jesus, one. I've already trusted him to pay the penalty for something that I deserve to pay that I can never actually repay. No matter how good of a person I become in the future, no matter how many good things I do, I was supposed to do those things anyway. Those were not things that I, I went over and above and did beyond my duty. I was supposed to do those things. I was supposed to be a good guy. I was supposed to obey the law. I was supposed to be selfless. So I can't make up for times I was selfish and disobeyed by doing the right thing in the, in, in the future, because I have a burden to bear. I have my own sin burdens to bear, but Jesus has no burdens of his own to bear. He was always, um, he always not only did his duty, but he as God incarnate sacrificed. You know, the Bible says that he, he, he emptied himself. He did not consider equality with God something to be grasped but made himself of no reputation and took on the form of a servant. Here's a God who needs nothing, and yet he becomes a servant to me. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And he is the creator of the entire universe. I can't trust me, because even though I didn't create the universe, I demand a lot from it. I want stuff. And here's this God who says, I created everything and I demand nothing from it, except that they just accept the gift I give them. So if I could, if I have to pick between two people to trust me or him, I trust him. I don't really know what to say. I mean, uh, it makes sense. I don't know what to say to that. I don't really know. What can I say? Hey, could I ask you a question, Sina, if it's okay? And we can, yeah. you know, and 
please don't feel any obligation, one, to answer it, but two, uh, obviously we can remove it if, 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 if that's an issue. Um, is there anything particularly that, you know, really holds you back and saying, you know what, I see it makes sense except for this one big thing. And if that one big thing made sense, I'd be good. Or is it a lot of this stuff makes sense, but something's still holding me back. And it's not about, you know, the mind or the rational stuff. It's something else. Is my question clear? Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's like one big thing. I think it kind of changes sometimes, you know, then sometimes you question that a little bit and then that a little bit, but at the end you kind of know, but then, I mean, sometimes there just shows up like a little thing, but it's not like major things. I don't really know. I think it's more just myself more than mm-hmm. anything else. Mm. I don't think it is. Yeah. I think, yeah. Mm. That's, I gotta tell you, that sounds familiar. Uh, that's just that way. <laughs> there are so many times when like, like I said, I had answers. I'm like, okay, I get that. And then I would go back to it. I was like, yeah, but I'm going to massage that a little bit more. Or I'm going to look, look yeah. at the edge of it or look at it from this way and go back here and see. And I'm like, oh, no, no. Okay, yeah, it makes sense. Even still, even with my other objection, it still makes sense. And I had to ask myself at some point, all right, all right. I can keep doing this and keep looking at it from every single angle, um, which, by the way, I do now. I do all the time. Um, but not to poke at it and see, you know, where's the flaw? It's more, um, oh my goodness, there's more to it. There's actually facets to it. I didn't see before, um, that are beautiful. Uh, but at some point during the course of my own journey, um, when I was doing the same thing, you know, I'd I'd look, I'm like, it makes sense. Great. Then I'd look at it again. And again, I eventually had to ask myself, why do I do that? Um, when I'm already satisfied, why do I keep going back? Why do I, why am I delaying making this big decision? And for me, ultimately, there was two reasons. Uh, one was there was going to be relational consequences with people around me. Yeah. Uh, and two, identity. I liked being a Muslim. I, I didn't, I didn't want to let that go. Um, and uh, I'm like, oh my goodness, you know, I'm, I'm holding on. I'm resisting for these reasons. Now, those aren't illegitimate reasons in the sense that they're not powerful. They're very powerful. But truth, the, uh, embracing that truth, which is why the ministry is called that, by the way, uh, embracing the truth. It's one thing to know it. It's a totally different thing to know it. I knew it up here. I had it like, you know, I believe these things. They make sense in my mind and I'm good. Um, but embracing it is a different thing. Um, and I wouldn't embrace it. I would intellectually assent to it if that makes sense, but I wouldn't actually embrace it emotionally. And I had to ask myself why that was. And I got an answer without going into detail, but I got an answer as to why I was resisting. And at some point I had to wrestle with, um, if I know it to be true, I ought to embrace it as true. And in fact, I would even go further one step further and say, if I know him to be true, then I owe it to him to embrace him, meaning the Lord. Um, so Jesus, it's very hard for me to like, yeah, anyway, I, I don't want to go on too long, too long, but does that, does that resonate at all? Yeah. I, I've been wondering about that too. Like if I do believe then who am I like after, because I wouldn't be the same as I was in 
the same as everybody knew me to be. And I don't know. I think it would just change. Like, yeah, I just, it's going to like mess up everything, you know? I don't, yeah, the whole, everything. And then, then it probably won't, but I mean, people just don't understand here. It's just weird. Like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, uh, hmm, yeah, <laughs> boy, man, you, this is so, so similar in so many ways, because obviously growing up in a non-Christian home and community, to me, I felt the same way. It's like, am I going to have someone to identify with if I do this? And who will I be after this thing? So if I can encourage you, um, I did change. I did change. And in some ways I stayed exactly the same. Um, and, um, that's, that's growth. That's human growth. You know, you're going to learn other things that are going to change you that are not even necessarily spiritual things. And it's going to change you. Um, but some things will change. I mean, you'll be convinced and convicted of some, some things you thought were okay before that you might not think are okay anymore. Not because someone with authority told you, but because there's that inner witness of the Holy spirit that might tell you, and you'll have some affiliation changes um, in some senses. But, um, you know, one thing I would encourage is to think about connection uh, over there in Denmark uh, with uh, a, a church community. I know there's, I know it's not a heavily churched place, but I don't know if you, I mean, you probably know this better than I do. So pardon me if I, if I say something you already know, and I, I, I've been, sounds like I'm uh, condescending. I hope not. But uh, Denmark, Denmark was so heavily influenced um, by uh, Lutheran, by Catholic, but also Lutheran um, Reformation. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the benefits and a lot of the ways in which Denmark is a, is a wonderful society owes itself to the history of um, the Protestant Reformation. Not only the Enlightenment, yeah. of which Protestants were a big part but the Protestant Reformation. And so there is actually uh, a strong vestige, a strong a holdover of that kind of thing. So um, it might be the kind of thing where don't just explore the stuff on your own, but explore it in community. Because when you find that community and that bond, and maybe you already are, I, I, if you are, I apologize, but finding some, some, some church community to be around and say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find out if these people are the real deal. Are they really who they say they are? <laughs> And go find that community. I bet you it, it, you might look at things a slightly different way, um, <clears throat> or find some, some find some comfort in that, because uh, it can be tough. I, that's exactly it's exactly where I was. But finding that community was a big part of it, a huge part of it. Yeah, I mean, our whole um, our laws are built on Christianity and our, the Christian Christian belief. Mm -hmm. So that is true. Protestantism was. Um, Everything the law like is built around and yeah, our society. Yeah. 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 Um But it's just it's like faded out, you know? We got yeah. kinda Yeah. Yeah. It's just like yeah. slowly fading out, I think. That's mm -hmm. how I feel. It's ended up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's this I I I, I wrote about it in Saving Truth. There's a story, um, uh, this is not the same country, of course. This is a completely different culturally cultural thing. But when uh, during the Soviet Union, um, it was intentionally atheistic uh, from the government level. 
it wasn't just societally, you know, atheistic or agnostic. It was from the government. We are trying to stamp out God. Um, I had a friend who would try to smuggle Bibles into um, <laughs> into, into uh, the Soviet Union under the Iron Curtain, and they would always ask three questions whenever the van came up to the checkpoint. They would say, do you have drugs? Do you have guns? Do you have Bibles? Like those were the three things they would ask. And what a weird thing to put the Bible in as dangerous as drugs and guns. Um, <clears throat> and so it was very, very hostile to Christian faith. Then I remember talking to a Russian uh, who was here in the United States. And my daughter, my youngest daughter, her name is Nadia. Um, and uh, so we were at a backyard picnic and she jumps into the pool and splashes us both. This guy I just met, you know, so I'm like, I'm like embarrassed. I'm like, oh my goodness, my daughter just splashed this guy. But if you know Nadia, she's incapable <laughs> of sitting still. She just can't do it. So I, we forgive her. And he says, what's your daughter's name? And I said, oh, her name is Nadia. He goes, Nadia, this is a Russian name. I'm like, oh, it travels, you know, it gets around. It's Middle <laughs> Eastern. It's, it's uh, Hispanic. A lot of Hispanic folks will name their kids Nadia. Um, but also, of course, Eastern Europeans. And he says, well, do you know what it means? And I said, well, what does it mean in, uh, in Russian? He says, well, the name is Nadyazhda. And he, uh, he said it means hope. Um, and I said, really, that's a, that's a popular name in, 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 in Russia. He goes, well, I'll tell you what. He wasn't, I don't know if he's a Christian or not, but he said uh, the three most popular names in Russia are uh, Vera, Nadyazhda, and Lubov. Faith, hope, and love. And that's exactly what Paul says in 1 Corinthians, that after everything is gone and all the things that we care about are, are fade away, he said, these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. How poetic is it that in a country that was intentionally trying to stamp out religious belief that the Christian faith endured in the hearts and minds of the Russian people, and they let it persist in the names of their daughters. I just find that to be amazing. And so you're in a country where it's starting to fade away, but there's no stamping it out. There really isn't. And at the risk of, you know, making, going too far with saying what I'm going to say, I see someone who's as spiritually inquisitive as you who's as spiritually sensitive as you, uh, as somebody for whom um, there's proof that the gospel message lives in the daughters of Denmark. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. This is a, a little steering away from this, but kind of, along the same lines. Um, I was listening to, uh, or actually I was reading an article that Natasha Crane, another apologist, had written recently. And she was responding to um, a viral uh, post that someone named Mindy Mack had posted. Mindy had shared her feelings and reasons why she struggled uh, with Christianity. 
And toward the end, Mindy said this, which I found very telling. She said about leaving Christianity, she said, in getting away from it, I found the peace that passes all understanding. I'm now immersed with love, with grace, with joy. I found freedom in what others call witchcraft. I don't worship the moon or my crystals. My tarot cards are not a god to me. I respectfully utilize these things to help me connect to myself and to this beautiful world I get to be part of and share with my fellow humans. I don't care if tarot or Reiki or Buddhism or Christianity is real. I care if it is helpful. And something that really stood out to Natasha and to me, um, what Mindy articulates there when she says, essentially, I don't care what's real. I care if it's helpful. Um, It it seems very indicative of a widespread sentiment amongst a post-everything generation or culture uh, that feels very similarly. What works for me? What what works? as someone who advocates for the importance of truth, Abdu, how do you respond to that sentiment? Because even as you and Sina here are talking about, you know, you take what works and then you discard the rest, right? So, uh, you know, faith, hope, and love, that's good. Sin and judgment and, you know, uh, conviction of that, that's not so great. Like, I don't need that, right? So, and I'm just speaking, you know, <laughs> uh, as some a skeptic there, but how do you respond to that to especially maybe young people who are like, you know, do what feels good because you know, it, who cares? It, let it be helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, there's a, a long history of pragmatism and um, uh, the uh, sort of some John Stuart Mill to other folks as well, who are philosophers who talk about these kinds of things and the idea of you, you, you do what works. Um, the problem is, is uh, one, we have a very limited perspective of what works. Um, uh, Christianity also works. It works. I mean, you think about the history of what it's done for society, not just the individual, but for society. So let's go from the pragmatism and go there first. It is the Christian faith, historically speaking, and even contemporarily right now, where you see hospitals, uh, we invented hospitals. Um, Christians did that. Um, uh, there were uh, when the when the plague ships, when the ships filled with plague victims were off the coasts of various cities in Europe, no one would go out to help the plague victims because they didn't want to get plagued themselves. It was Christians who actually got on the little tiny ship, the little tiny boats, and went out there to take care of the plague victims. And sometimes they got plagued themselves and they died from it. Other times they didn't, uh, and they helped. Um, You know, Mark Twain once said that history does not repeat, but it does rhyme. Um, And then you look at Ebola-infested Africa of a few years ago, where no one would go. But Christians ended up going, and they got Ebola themselves to try to help those who had Ebola. Now, are there non-Christians who help out too? Of course there are. Absolutely. I don't deny that. But you see this over and over again where if you're looking at what helps on a broad level, you're going to see the Christian faith do it. Um, I think of the uh, the article by Matthew Paris. Matthew Paris is an atheist, um, and he's an African, and he has this article entitled why africa needs christianity and at the end of it i'm going to paraphrase it but this is pretty close to um a quote he says despite the fact that i'm an atheist um what i saw in africa where christians were doing what they were doing he says it confounds 
my worldview and resists my growing belief that there is no God. He says, as an atheist, what I've seen is that Africa is, uh, sorry, Christianity is good for Africa. He says Christian evangelism. He doesn't just say Christian help. Mm. Christian evangelism changes hearts. And this is how he ends it. He says, apart from secular NGOs and international aid efforts and education, he said, these alone will not do. In other words, they're not as helpful as you might think. He says, in Africa, this is his exact words, in Africa, Christianity changes things. The rebirth is real. The change is good. This is not a Christian saying this. So if you're looking for what helps, Christianity helps just as much. And so she says in her article, I don't care if it's Buddhism or Reiki or whatever it is, as long as it helps. Well, Christianity helps. That checks that box. So we don't have to go anywhere else to see what helps. Christianity helps globally speaking. Um, does the church have a history that has some blemishes in it? You betcha. Um, but it has some wonderful things as well, just like every human uh, institution, Christendom has some flaws, but the message of the gospel doesn't. Um, so that's one thing, it does help. But secondly, if we say, let me just take what helps and gives you inner peace and these kind of things, um, there are going to be some times when you're going to, it's not going to bring you peace. And there's going to be times when that peace that, that, no, she says that passes all understanding. She's quoting from the Bible, of course, when she does that, when she says that. But um, uh, what Christ offers isn't just this helps. He's saying it's true. So not only is it helpful, but it's true, and it's truly helpful in this sense, is that in a hereafter, in a time when you will have to trust in someone, if you trust in him, it will be of ultimate help because it leads to salvation. It doesn't doesn't leave doesn't lead to reconciled relationships on this life in this life alone. It doesn't lead to having a sense of freedom from anxiety on this side of heaven alone. It leads to that ultimate freedom, the ultimate freedom. So it's interesting, you know. As a Muslim, there was a um, there was a a series of sermons by the Imam Ali. Um, who's revered by Shiite Muslims all over the world. And he, he, he gives an interesting thing. He says, mm -hmm. among the believers, those who believe God, who, who, who believe in something, there are three. There are those who worship God or whatever you want to call it. Let's say it's something pagan or something, you know, um, a Wicca or whatever it is. There are those who worship to, to, to attain heaven. That is the worship of the merchant. There are those who worship to avoid hell. That is the worship of the slave, but there are those who worship out of gratitude. That is the worship of the free and the noble. Mm. So what I would say is a Christian doesn't do the things like to attain heaven. It's already been won for you. Jesus already did it. You don't do it to avoid hell. You're not doing it out of a fear of hell. That's already been avoided for you. Jesus paid the price so you never have to face that. You do it out of gratitude because heaven has been attained, because hell has been avoided. What we do in this life gives us peace, not to overcome our terrible circumstances, but out of the gratitude that the circumstances ultimately have already been overcome. So our hope persists, not because I'm able to get through the anxiety of my day, although that's also part of it, 
but because I get to go over the ultimate anxiety is that all of this will work out, is that suffering can mean something because it already has meant something. That no matter what we go through in this life, it's nothing compared to what Jesus went through. And if Jesus can turn his suffering into glory, he can certainly turn ours. So does it help? Ultimately, and you betcha, far better than anything else does because I trust the right person. And Christians, I mean, obviously this girl, Mindy, she's post uh, her faith, but mm-hmm. um we avoid the tarot cards, the Reiki, all those kind of things, because those things are opposite. Mm-hmm. What, what do you say to people who ask you about, you know, Christians touching that kind of stuff? Friend, if you're enjoying this episode, you may also enjoy exclusive bonus content each month. Finding Something Real is a podcast that has some costs associated with it. We have a website, monthly subscriptions to stay organized. We design things. We like to pay an assistant producer who keeps things going around here, that kind of stuff. We're not in the business of trying to make money, but we are in the business of wanting to keep this show going and be sustainable. So we use Patreon. And if you haven't heard of it, Patreon is the best place for creators to build memberships by providing exclusive access to their work and a deeper connection with their communities. Each month, patrons who support Finding Something Real get a bonus episode where we recap the month's episodes. Often those episodes feature our co-hosts and they will often share what this journey was like. There's other perks over there too, and it's easy to get involved. Just go to findingsomethingreal.com and click support at the top of the page. We'd love to have you over there in our Patreon community. So the reason why the Bible actually specifically talks about trusting in other powers is that they're seductive. And this is the part that I think people sometimes miss is that it seems to be helping. It's only, but only seems that way. It's very seductive. Um, If things were obviously bad for you, no one would be, no one would be overweight. No one would have smoking (laughs) problems. No one would get lung cancer. Um, These things provide pleasure and they provide, you know, uh, oh, I always feel better after I drink a little or, you know, whatever it is that they say. Um, or if I do this one spiritual practice, I always <laughs> feel better, you know. Um, but ultimately, it ensnares you. Um, so the Bible is not trying to say those other religions are wrong. What the Bible's really saying about that stuff is that you're trusting in either nothing or you're trusting in spiritual powers that will eventually lead you astray and hurt you, but they're seducing you right now. So that's why Christians don't touch that stuff. The reason uh, is because you're, first of all, you're insulting God by saying, I'm trusting in things that aren't you, um, in things you created, let alone, but you're the creator. Why would I trust things that were created rather than the creator himself? Why would I do that? I would go, I would much rather go to the power plant than buy a battery, you know? Um, uh, so uh, to me, it's an insult to God, but two, it's seductive and it's ultimately for our harm. So, it, you know, if you want to abandon what's unhelpful, by all means, please abandon the spiritual things that seduce you away from that which is ultimately helpful, who is the one who, what's more helpful than wanting to save you from yourself? This is maybe along those lines, I don't know, but um, so yesterday I spent some time with a former Muslim and it was really fascinating. She was from North Africa and her view of her faith 
Um, it was so, I mean, clearly she loved the Lord. Um, mm -hmm. But I was telling my husband this morning, the whole time that we were talking, this woman and I, and um, maybe somebody should listen to this, I don't know. But I, I'm filtering what she's saying through my own Western Christianity lens, right? Mm -hmm. And it was really, there were a few times where I thought, Lord, is that just my, is that, you is that a check in my spirit because of what i know of your word or is that a check in my spirit because i've never experienced that she talked about a vision seeing jesus you know she talked about which i mean i've heard of but i've never mm -hmm. talked to someone in person who's experienced something like that and she was just talking about it like it was mm -hmm. right there it happened she talked about the spiritual realm that she could see thinking how do you know what's real how do you do that how do you deal with that you travel all over the world you see different quote unquote, versions of Christianity for somebody like Sina, who's like, okay, maybe the, all of this is real, but how do you decipher what is real and what is of don't touch that? Yeah, uh, great question. Wow. Um, uh, so here's how I look at it. Um, uh, I, f I experience <clears throat> spiritual experiences can't be the ultimate authority. Here's why, because people have opposite spiritual experiences. So I'll give you an example of what I mean. Uh, I remember I was speaking at a, um, a conference um, and I was talking about Grand Central Question, the book that I wrote. And I mentioned um, pantheism and Hinduism and, and Buddhism and these other uh, Eastern religions. And one of the important things about the, the fundamental difference with Christianity. So I got done and uh, a woman walks up to me. She's an um, American woman, a white lady, and but she's got a, a charm on her neck and it's an om. It's the uh, Sanskrit Om, which is, of course, a very uh, important sacred Hindu uh, symbol. And she's, she comes up to me. So I already know she's uh, converted to Hinduism. Um, and um, she says to me, you know, I was following you along the way on a lot of things you said. But then when you mentioned the differences uh, between uh, religions, that's where you lost me. Because um, as a Hindu, um, I can embrace all different belief systems. We're all on a path toward enlightenment and ultimately we'll realize the truth. So Christianity is the right path for you right now. Um, but ultimately you'll come through the cycle of death and rebirth. You'll come to an understanding of the enlightenment and all these things. So this is the right path for you right now. Um, uh, what was interesting to me was um, I said, how did you get there? You know, how, how did that happen? How did you become a Hindu? And she told me, this is what she told me. She had a dream of Jesus, and Jesus told her there are an infinite path, a number of paths to ultimate enlightenment. Um, I said, you know, that's interesting. That So that vision and that dream was the thing that got you to become a Hindu? She's like, oh, yes, this was a huge part of it. I said, you know what's interesting is I know a lot of former Hindus, quite a few, and a lot of them have had dreams and visions of Jesus where he said to them, there's only one path, and he is that path. So now let me ask you, you had a dream and they had a dream and you came to opposite conclusions. Um, it seems to me that if you were to rely on any test and it yields different results depending on the person you're talking to, it seems to be an unreliable test, right? And she didn't like that because, well, she, she wasn't upset with me. She just, she sort of agreed in one sense. She said, well, I have independent reasons additional to that. And I'm like, that good. I hope it's not just the vision and the dream. Um, and I'll tell you, most Muslims I know don't come to faith just because of the vision and the dream. Um, the vision and the dream that that is given to them of Jesus is usually something that augments a journey they're already on. Uh, so here's where I would go with this. At the end of the day, 
a spiritual experience can be valid so long as it's consistent with the Bible and the way at which it says, these are the kind of things God does. Um, because otherwise you're going to start to like make stuff up as you go along and make up your own religion. And that's, that, that could be a very dangerous thing. Um, in fact, uh, Peter uh, says it in Second Peter. You know, Peter is the guy who saw the transfiguration. He literally saw Jesus transfigured into a whiter white than the eye could possibly conceive. He literally saw what it's like to look at a divine being. Um, so much so that he was enthralled and he and Elijah and, Ab- and, and Moses are there and they build uh, shelters for them. And, and Peter's like, I don't want, ever want to come down from this mountain ever again. I never want to do that. Peter, the guy who experienced all that with his own eyes, he said, <clears throat> we did not invent this idea. We were there. We saw it with our own eyes. But now we have the word of prophecy, meaning the Old Testament, meaning the Bible, made more certain. In other words, my experience has to line up with the scriptures. And then when those two things line up, that's when you can know it's valid. So I don't deny people have these experiences and that kind of thing. I always want to test it. Always want to test it by um, the plumb line of Jesus and the word of God. And that helps me to determine whether or not something is an emotional experience or a valid spiritual experience. Uh, we should always test these things. The Bible literally says, test the spirits. And that's why I like the Bible so much. It's cool with you questioning it. It's cool with you challenging things. It's okay with that. It wants you to, because it doesn't want you to be fooled. Hmm. Yeah. All right. As we yeah. wrap up here, Sina, any final thoughts or questions for Abdu before I ask the final one? Just thank, thank you for coming and uh, giving me a, time to be here too i couldn't be here last time so thank you for scheduling another day Just absolutely mm. well thank thank you for honoring me with your time um and uh and what you shared um i did most of the talking i'd love for to hear from you more <laughs> obviously but it, you know it sounds like you're, you're you're you know as you wrestle with this stuff i just want to encourage you um find community of people who are either on the same journey you're on or who have already made that decision. Um, and that might help. Uh, and if there's any fear, not in terms of like, you know, oh my goodness, I'm terrified kind of a thing, but the anxiety that comes with a spiritual journey about what what will the consequences be? Um, I never want to lie to you and say there's not going to be consequences. There's going to be. But the benefits are so much better. So there's benefits to not deciding too. I was on the fence for Sine. I was on the fence for so long and I hated that fence was very uncomfortable. I hated it after a while and I had to make a choice at some point. Um, and I'm just so grateful that God led me to the right one. It's been worth it every step of the way. So if there's anything holding you back that you think is not really up here, it's more here. Um, if ever there's a chance, it'd be an honor to pray with you. Uh, and I know Janelle, same thing. It'd be an honor for her to pray with you and to uh, be able to call you sister one day, but when you're ready, not, I, I don't I never want to push that whenever you're ready. But I just wanted to say, if it's here, it's a matter of time. Hmm. Um, I think it's a matter of time. So, uh, thank you again for the honor of speaking with you. Hmm. Thank you.
Same question as always, Abdu. The Finding Something Real podcast is about a journey towards restoration, mm-hmm. eternity, authenticity, and love. All things that can be found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Which one of those things stands out to you the most in your life right now and why? Mm-hmm. Authenticity stands out to me um, uh, right now. You know, we're swirling right now in a world where platform over people is an every, whether it's a secular thing or it's a religious thing. Um, I've just been convicted so much to be done with that um, and just to elevate people over platform. People matter more than the number of people I speak in front of has nothing to do with the impact on people God puts in my way. Um, and I have to be authentic. The scripture says specifically, Paul says, to think of others as more significant than yourself. He doesn't say more valuable because I bear God's image, you bear God's image, Sineva bears God's image, but more significant in the work of the kingdom. So Janelle, I have to assume, scripture tells me to, and I think it's the right thing to assume, your ministry is as or more impactful than any ministry I'll ever do. And Lance, who helps to run this, my video stuff, has a stronger ministry than I'll ever have, and I need to support him. And um, my assistants in my ministry are as valuable or more valuable than me. Authenticity. If we don't have that, what's the point of having truth if we're not, if we're not authentic about expressing the truth? Thank you, Abdu. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Finding Something Real podcast, friend. This season, we are inviting young women to join me as they share their personal stories and ask honest questions or share objections to the Christian faith. We hope to feature a different story each month and then invite Christian guests on to share from their own journeys and experiences and maybe answer some of those questions in follow-up episodes. Friend, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ is still in the restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love business. I know not everyone has experienced that. But if you're curious at all at whether there's something real to be found in Jesus, I invite you to come back next week as we continue on a journey towards finding something real in relationship with him. Until next time.